Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Lord has really been impressing on me in the last few weeks and months the importance of our times of worship. The worship is not a preamble to someone to get up to bring the word. In fact, a worship extends beyond singing. It extends to the time we spend in the word together because we're still worshipping the king even when we're in the word. The king is instructing us in the word. I just want you to turn with me to Hebrews 8. Is this a little bit echoey from the front? Sorry if it's a bit boomy. That's probably my voice, not the mic. That's what my family told me. So if you want to turn with me to Hebrews 8, the beginning of the chapter. The book of Hebrews is a fantastic book. I don't know if you, if you read it much, but it's fantastic. It's full of truths about the reality in which we now enjoy in the new covenant and draws upon many of the pictures of the old covenant that were pointing forward to what we now are enjoying and experiencing now that Jesus has come and has had that complete victory over sin. And the context for this chapter and these few verses is that previously the author is establishing Jesus' credentials as our high priest. And he's talked about the priesthoods of the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, which is inferior to the New Covenant and the New Testament. And the high priest was someone who was appointed to offer sacrifices for the people. The trouble with the high priests is that they kept dying off. That's what the author says in the preceding preamble to this chapter. The high priest kept dying off. And they had to make a sacrifice for their own sins as well as the sins of the people. But Jesus has an indestructible life. Jesus may have died once, but he came back. He was raised. And on that basis of an indestructible life, he now stands as our high priest in the throne room of God. He'll never die. And he doesn't have to keep making sacrifices for you and for me. He's done it once and for all. That will encompass everything we ever need. All of our shortcomings were dealt with in that one sacrifice that Jesus made. So I'm going to read in uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places and in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices Thus, it is necessary for this priest, that's Jesus, also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is 
as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Since it is enacted on better promises. Praise God. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. This morning I want to share a few things that I think will come out of this passage about coming into the true tent of the Lord and why we come together. What's the purpose of our gathering? What we should expect to happen when we come together in the presence of the King. It's really important that our expectations are right, isn't it? That we come in with the right expectations so that we're not disappointed and so that we don't miss all that God has got for us. And I believe that God is impressing upon us the importance of our times of worship around the throne. That God wants to do amazing things in our times of worship. And he wants things to change for the better. He wants us to have a greater experience of him around the throne. And he wants to show us new things that will enable us to fulfill the mission that God has got for us. And they're the things I want to touch on this morning. We've got a title, there we go, According to the Pattern Shown to You. That's the instruction that God gave to Moses. And I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. We're going to start with the first thing, which is, there are three things I want to say about our times together around the throne. The first thing is, is that our times of worship are a place of revelation. They're a place of revelation. In verse 2 that we've just read, it says this, Jesus is a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Literally, it means the true tent that the Lord pitched. The Lord pitched a tent. He said, I'm going to make my own tent. And what's really important for us is that the Lord has established his house. The Lord has established his tent, his dwelling place. This is not a copy. When we come into worship... Earlier in the book of Hebrews, it says that we, are, we come in with confidence before the throne of grace. Yeah, yeah. So when we come together, whether we are two or 200 or 2,000, it makes no difference. The church has come together and we come into the throne room of God. Yeah. We're not coming into a copy that we've made here in this room. Yeah. It's really important that we understand this because I think sometimes our actions can say, actually, we're just... We're kind of having our own time of worship over here. He's got up here. We've got our own time of worship over here. And there's other Christians that have got their own time of worship over here and some people over here. But that's not what's actually happening. What's happening is we're going into the throne room of God. That's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? We're going into the actual throne room where God is seated, God the Father. And by his side is the Lamb of God, the risen King, seated in all his majesty how do we do that well I don't know about you but when I'm in worship my feet are firmly on the ground I'm stood here on earth but my spirit is going into the heavenlies and we have to understand that we're here to worship in spirit our bodies and our minds are involved but we have to be led by our spirit and our spirits are in the throne room do you know what's amazing and I think Simon alluded to this earlier in the psalm that he read, is that, that there are praises going on all around the throne. There are songs of deliverance. There are angels worshipping in their thousands and many thousands around the throne. 
And there are other saints worshipping him. They may be on the other side of the globe to us, but in their spirits, they're in the throne room. What a throng that we join. And we need to be mindful of that when we come into worship. This is not a copy. This is not play acting. We're coming into the actual throne room of God. That fills me with awe. I'm a bit scared by it, if I'm honest. But I'm also excited. And that's why we should be excited when we come together to worship together, because our spirits are ascending into the throne room of God. You see, the presence of God and the throne room of God, they're not geographically located. It's not a far-off place. It's in the unseen realm. And I don't know what you think about the unseen realm, about the heavenly places that the Word speaks about, whether you think they're a far-off place or whether you think they're right here. That the unseen realm and the seen realm occupy the same space. That the unseen realm is all around us right now. We can't see it with our eyes, but we can see it with the eyes of our heart. Our spirits can see into the spiritual realms. And the Lord wants us to see things in the spiritual realms more than we are right now. And I want to encourage us to be hungry for that, all of us, to see things in the spiritual realms. So when we come into this place of worship, we're coming into a place of authority and honor. So it's really important how we come together. And that's why we always encourage everyone to come with the right heart. Always approach with the right heart, knowing that we're coming before the king. It says in verse 2, it uses this phrase, true tent. What do you think the true tent is? The true tent that the Lord has set up. It's the house of God. It's the tabernacle. It was the tabernacle. It was the temple. Now, the the word tells us it's the true tent established by God. It's the house of God. It's us. We're the true tent, folks. We're coming into a place of which we are part of the fabric. When Peter writes to the church, he says, don't you know you are living stones? God is making his house out of people. He's making a house in which to dwell out of people. His temple, Paul says to the Ephesians, is us. So when we come into the true tent of the Lord, I believe the Lord not only wants to see us in his glory, but I believe the Lord wants us to see what the true tent looks like. In other words to see not only the holiness of the Lord, but to see the holiness of the tent. You see in verse 2, he said, Jesus is a minister in the holy places in the true tent. The holy places is the true tent. It's holy because God has made it holy. And I think when we are around the throne together, God wants to show us how holy this house is. That's awesome. He wants to show us the holiness of the house of God so that we see the house of God for what it really is. But I believe in that place he wants to show us spiritual realities. See, when we come before the throne, we can see things in the spiritual realms that often we don't see when we're going about our everyday life because we're caught up with the physical We're caught up with what we see with the natural eye. When we come together before the throne, we're caught up in the heavenly places with him. 
And in that place, we start to see things from where God sees them. If you just turn with me to Psalm 36, I'm just going to show you what I mean. Just turn with me to Psalm 36 and verse 7. We'll read that in a minute. In Psalm 2, God says, God the Father says, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And sometimes when we come into the presence, what God has to show us again is that he's installed his king. And that's why much of what comes in the prophetic is to say, behold, I've installed a king. And he is king of all kings. And we need to see the reality of that again. Because that reality is greater than the reality of this world. And what I mean by that is, the fact that he has been set as a king in the heavenly places will one day determine that he is a king in all the physical places on the earth. Because the earth will fall into line with what has happened in the heavenlies. So we are those who see what's happening in the heavenly realms and are able to see that it will now affect what happens in the physical realms. When you watch the news, what is happening in the news is not being driven primarily by people, but being driven by what's happening in the heavenly realms, in the unseen realms. There is a battle going on, and the enemy is on the run, and his time is limited. And that impacts world events in ways that we don't often understand. So politicians... And warmongers are not deciding what is going on in the world, but there is a spiritual battle taking place. The importance of us coming before the throne is to see that spiritual battle and for God to show us that he has the upper hand in as much as he's won the victory already. It's simply a question of squashing the enemy and allowing enough time for all men and women on this earth to come to repentance. That's all that's happening, folks. Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light do we see light. When we come into the throne room together... We're drinking of the presence of God. But in the light, we see light. In other words, we see everything else now in the light of the presence of Christ. When you get close to Jesus, his glory is so blinding that when you come away, when you step away, you still have that in your vision. So that you see everything in the light of that wonderful vision of Christ. And that's why our time around the throne is so important so that everything else in our life is now affected by what we've seen together in the throne room. It can impact the rest of our lives. And when we come together, we're learning about who we are as the true tent of the Lord. God wants to give us a revelation of who he is, what that means for the world around us, but he wants to give us a revelation of who we are. You know, the Bible spends a lot of time telling you who you are in Christ. Have you noticed that? Again and again, giving you truths of what's happened to you. Sometimes I think the process um, of becoming a Christian is everything happens at the beginning and you spend the rest of your life actually coming to terms with what's happened to you. I'm learning things that happened to me when I got saved. And that was over 30 years ago. 
because God is showing me the impact of what happened on that day. And I may not have lived in the light of that all of those years, but I'm increasingly living in the light of that. And around the throne, God wants to show us what we look like together. That's why I believe it's really important this morning. You know, we've changed the chair layout. One thing I love about this new layout is we're looking at one another. Let's not look at the back of each other's heads. Let's look at each other in the eye and not be embarrassed about it. But when we come together, what are we seeing when we see each other? When we look across the body, what are you seeing? Obviously, we're seeing lovely people, beautiful and handsome and well-dressed. But there's more than that, isn't there? There are spiritual realities to each of us that we need to start seeing. The Lord wants to show us spiritual realities to look beyond the outward appearance and to look into the heart. If only we would see each other that way. I believe we do, but I believe there's a lot more for us to see in each other of what God is doing and all that God has placed there. So it's a place of revelation not about just God, but about us as well. The second thing I want to say is that worship is a place of transformation. When we come around the throne together, we don't just come to have a revelation. The purpose is transformation. The Lord wants to transform us. You turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3. Two Corinthians three and verse eighteen. And we all that's us, folks, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we behold him, we are transformed. As we're in this place of worship, the Lord is transforming us. Now you could say, how does the act of beholding him transform us? Well, I believe a lot of that has to do with our thinking. You see, we are born from above. The seed of Christ is within us. So as we spend time with him and we see him unveiled then he shows us who we are in him. So often when we come together, I believe the spirit is dealing with our thinking. And if we're honest, the thing that holds us back a lot of the time, it's our thinking, isn't it? We've been thinking about something a certain way. But when you come into the presence, I think Simon said this morning, didn't you, Simon? You come into the presence and those things are pushed aside. The problems are pushed aside. And the reason why is because God shows you who you are in him. The real you. And that's really important for us. Our minds have to come into alignment with what God is showing our spirits. This is how the Holy Spirit works. In this place of revelation, God will show you, this is who you are in me. This is who I've made you to be your mind will be thinking something different. I guarantee it. Because your mind is caught up with the natural. 
Your mind will be thinking about things in your past. It will be thinking about things in your personality, in your circumstances, and all of those things are pulling you down. But your spirit will see the truth that God is revealing to you. You say, yes, I believe that. And your mind then comes into alignment with that and says, I believe it too. That's the process of sanctification, is God reprogramming your mind. And when we come together, God shows us who we are, shows us the true tent. Now, when James wrote his letter, he said, look, you can come and look at the word of God and see it like a mirror showing you who you are. And you can go away and forget what you've seen in the mirror. In other words, he's saying you can come away from the truths that have been given you about yourself and live as if those things weren't true. Kerry said that to us last week. That our true nature is that we're born from above. But sometimes we choose to live a different way. Or we're rebelling against our new nature. You see, sinning is not natural for us anymore. Your mind may be used to old patterns of thinking, but sinning is not natural for the new creation. And when we come into the throne room, we see who we are. When we leave the throne room, when we come away from that place, we have to be careful that we're not like that man who looked in the mirror and comes away and then just forgets what he looks like. The Lord wants you to know what you look like to him. He wants you to see you the way he sees you. When we're struggling with things, so often in this place of worship, the Holy Spirit says to us time and again, doesn't he? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And the natural mind will say, how is that going to help? That is not going to deal with the problem that I've got to go back to. That is not going to deal with the challenge that still awaits me. But of course it changes everything when we look at Jesus. It empowers us when we look at him. It transforms us in as much as we know the spiritual truths of who we are. We know the authority that's been given to us as believers. And we act differently. Because we have all this authority that Jesus has when we're submitted to him. But so often we don't live in the light of that authority. We come away and act as if we don't have that authority. So spending time in the presence, the Spirit is able to show us again and transform our thinking. Romans 12 verse 2, you don't need to turn to it, but it says this, you'll know this scripture well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Paul is talking there about a lifestyle of worship, that we're to present ourselves as living sacrifices. And part of that is not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed. That first word, conformed, it means to conform oneself to another's pattern. To conform oneself to another's pattern. To be conformed to the pattern of this world, it's not the pattern in which you were made. So to act in the way that the world acts and to think the way the world thinks, we're conforming ourselves to another's pattern. But what we're to do instead is to be transformed. That just means to be changed into another form. It's a word from which we get metamorphosis to be changed from one form to another, but in the same pattern. 
Interestingly, that same word is in the Gospels and it's used of Jesus when he was transfigured on the mountain. When the apostles were looking at Jesus and Elijah and Moses were standing by his side and he was transfigured. And it's that word, metamorpho. Jesus was being transfigured and in that moment his true nature was being revealed. And I believe it's the same with us. That as we come into the glory of the throne room, our true nature as new creations is being revealed. And to see that in reality changes us fundamentally. When we come together to worship, Jesus is being transfigured, but the body is being transfigured as well. Worship is a place of transformation for us, folks. The Lord wants to change you fundamentally around the throne room. And the last thing is, worship is a place of commission. We don't just come to have a revelation, to be transformed, and then just to stay where we are. All of this is so that God has given us a commission and to send us out. You know, for a commission, you need equipping and you need instructing. That's how you get a commission. Equipping and instructing. And that's what God wants to do for us in his presence together. Psalm 27 verse 4 talks about, um, the psalmist talks about one thing I've asked is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We come together to worship, not only to give praise to our king, but to inquire of our king. We come for instruction. We come to hear the instruction of the Lord. And that instruction comes not as simply words, but with power. God spoke to us this morning and reminded us that he has died for our sins and healed all our sicknesses and diseases. That's the word of the Lord. It's an instruction, and it comes with power. So we need to receive that and say, yes, Lord, I believe it, and I'm going to move with that word of power. The purpose is to come to inquire of the Lord. And that means that God has wisdom for us around the throne room. God has all wisdom. And when we come and inquire of him, God wants to give us his wisdom. He wants to reveal things to us, not just about him, ourselves and him, but about situations as well. He wants to open situations to us. Things that have previously have been locked things that have been intransigent, things that we could not shift and change, but the wisdom of God, I believe, can come in this place of worship and the Lord will tell us to do things in a different way that will change those situations. And we face many of those situations, folks, where we can't see things shifting and changing, but we know that the word of God says that they will. We know that God says he will do it and his word will not return to him void. So what's got to change? It's us, isn't it? No one's finding fault here. The Lord isn't. But he's inviting us and saying, come deeper in because I have wisdom for you in how you deal with things, how you deal with the situations you're facing, how you're dealing with others. I have wisdom for you where I can send you into places in this world where no one else will have the answer except you. Because you will come in with my spirit and I will give you wisdom for that situation. Who's believing for that? Who's looking for that? 
If you want to stand out in this world, that's how to do it. If you want to bring glory to Jesus and bring attention to our King, that's the way to do it. You're the person in the corner that stands up and says, excuse me, I've got something to say here. And you might be scared stiff because you're going out on a limb, but you're listening to the voice of the Spirit. And I believe if we take some chances and we step out, that God can do some amazing things through us, folks. So the instruction to Moses was to build according to the pattern he was shown on the mountain. That word pattern, it's got two meanings. It means a blueprint, a pattern in which you must build something in accordance with. But it's also used of a type, of a person. Something that is prefigured. You know, Moses was given instruction to build according to something that was to come. A copy and a shadow of the true tent. We've been given an instruction to build, not a copy, the real deal. The real thing. The real throne room. The real true tent of the Lord. The house of God is not being prefigured, folks. It's being transfigured when we come before the throne to worship. So the question we have for ourselves is, are we going to settle for second best? Are we going to settle for a pale imitation or a copy or a shadow of the reality of God's presence around the throne? That's not rhetorical. It's a a choice. Am I going to settle for second best or am I not going to settle until I know I'm seated I'm kneeling, I'm standing, I'm dancing around the throne of grace. This is the place where God does business. And this is the place where we need to be. And we need to be determined to do whatever it takes to be in that place. And as it says elsewhere in Hebrews, that means throwing off the things that are holding us back. It means not settling for something that is simply a pale shadow or a copy of the reality of what is happening around the throne right now. So what's the pattern that we are building? What's the pattern that we have? Well, the pattern is the house, and the house is made up of us. You're the pattern. The instruction remains. God's instruction is to build according to the pattern shown you. And that's why in this place of worship, this revelation we have of who he is and who we are, that's what we need to build. We need to extend from the throne room out. We're not copying what's happening in the throne room, but we're extending from the throne room out. So that's why it's really important how we leave this place. We talk a lot about how we come into the presence and the importance of that, how we approach the throne. But sometimes I think we need to talk more about how we leave. Because it's just as important how we leave this place, how we leave our time together, as how we come in. Is your expectation coming into this place to be refreshed, repaired, sometimes restored? How about to be equipped and commissioned and strengthened and emboldened and empowered so that you leave 
knowing that you can lay hold of everything for which God has laid hold of you. My, my heart is... I know it's important when we come into the presence that the Spirit wants to deal with everything and that he loves us. But sometimes I feel we need to spend less time on repair and restore and more time on strengthening, equipping and commissioning. Otherwise, we're just going around in a cycle and that's not what God has for us. So it's important that we are building according to the right pattern. And the pattern is you. It may not be the you of your past. It may not even be the you of your thinking. It may not be the you that other people have said about you in the past. Or the you that's just stuck with your circumstances. But it's the real you. It's the new creation you. That which God has made. That is perfect. That he set up, not man. You've been established by God. Not by the will of any man. You've been born from above. That's the pattern we need to build in accordance with. But we need to be honest about what we're building as well in our lives. Richard spoke a couple of weeks ago from Psalm 84 about being in the house of God and in the presence of God. And it causes us to question our priorities. What's our priority? Is it the world? Is it our lives and our comfort? Or is it the kingdom? Is the king and his kingdom really coming first? We can't settle for second best, folks. And when we come around the throne room, every time the Spirit of God will demand that Jesus always comes first. Amen. That all those other things are pushed to be secondary to the King of Kings. So we've talked a lot recently about mission and the importance of mission. Worship is a place of commission, that we are together commissioned. Sometimes I think we can be thinking that mission is something that we do. Maybe it's a program that we've got for the year. Maybe it's a teaching series. Well, I've come to the conclusion that mission is a lot simpler than all of that, and thankfully better than that. Mission is simply an overflow of who we are. If we will allow the Lord to show us in his presence who we really are, he will show us how to overflow to the world around us. And when we come in, we may not feel. We may not feel that we are who he says we are. But in that place of revelation, our thinking can be transformed so that we can then be commissioned. And all that means is that he wants us to be out in the world, overflowing with the life of the Spirit. That's mission. Just to allow the Spirit's life to overflow because the seed of Christ will inevitably reproduce itself. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, people cannot help but be affected. So whether we're coming together in twos or two hundreds, I believe every time these three elements need to be present, that we need to be expectant of new revelation as we come together to worship, that we need to be expectant to be transformed in our thinking but we need to be expectant that God will strengthen us and commission us to go and do all that he's called us to do. I really believe, folks, in the next few months that God has much to show us in his presence together. Really exciting things that we've never seen before. And all it takes 
on our part is a willingness and a determination to come into the presence with unveiled faces and to be hungry more than we've ever been to see the glory of the Lord. And out of that place, there'll be an overflow from this place in all that God has called us to do. Father, as we come to worship around your throne, Lord, this morning, we're so honoured, Lord, that we are able to come into the very throne room of God. Not cowering, Lord God, but we can come in with heads held high, for we are your children, robed in righteousness because of Jesus. And Lord, as we come back into your presence now, we just lift our hearts up to you, Lord. Would you just stand with me together, just as I pray? Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.